Today's episode of the First Time Bible Teacher Podcast is brought to you by the Good Lion Podcast Network. I decided that for this read, I would just hop on my phone real quick and search for goodlion.io. It was one of the top hits in my browsing history. Hopefully it will be in yours too. I just want to let you know, some of the great podcasts that we have up there, we have Ask a Youth Pastor and a few others from Aaron Salvato that are really good. He runs one called Testimony that we'll all be collaborating on soon, which is great. Just hearing incredible stories of people coming to faith in Jesus. We have Vox Hibernia with Mike Neglia. He's also a big part of what's going on with Expositors Collective. I believe Vox Hibernia means Voices of Ireland, which if you can find that in there, good for you. I can't, but that's what he told me. We have Psalms Cast and Beyond Reading the Bible with Lindsay Kennedy, a Bible college teacher with great knowledge to share, a real heart for the Lord. We have Expositors Collective. We have Things That Matter with Brian Broderson. We have the Calvary Global Network Mission and Methods Podcast. We have so many different things from Let's Go with Josh Transky. Let's go. Start listening to that. Do it now. We have Start With Heart. We have Adorned, a great podcast. I listened to a few episodes of that. Aaron and Casey are killing it on that podcast. We have all sorts of great things. Send Off with Tyler Baquet. Baquet. How would you pronounce B-A-C-Q-U-E-T? Hopefully he listens to this and he'll tell me how. But in the meantime, head over to goodlion.o. Goodlion.o. That's not a thing. Goodlion.io. There's tons of great stuff there. I hope you're enjoying it. First time Bible teacher is a part of it. We'll get to an episode right now. Here's Calm Trues. Welcome to another episode of First Time Bible Teacher, a podcast designed to help you learn to teach the Bible, starting with the very basics. This episode is about teaching that encourages discipleship. One of the great problems we have in church is that even though everyone has 168 hours a week, sometimes we only get people for just one. Formal teachings are not enough to help shape a person completely into a well-rounded disciple of Jesus. So this episode talks about our need to go beyond just those formal teachings, and even in our main teachings, find ways to push people toward discipleship. Let's dive in. One of the biggest criticisms about the church today is that it's just a place filled with hypocrites. It's a bunch of people who say they're great, who think they have life figured out, who think that they are the second coming of Jesus, and yet they're just messed up, and they're sinful, and they're lying about how broken they really are. This is one of the big reasons people don't want to come to church. It's one of the big reasons people don't trust Christians, and because of that, don't trust Christianity. We're all just mess-ups and sinners who lie and who cheat and steal, and they see these examples of big famous pastors falling in sin or getting removed from their positions, and they see the problems of the church. They see our dirty laundry, essentially, being aired in the media, and they wonder, why on earth should I try to be like those people? Now, it's very easy for us to be defensive 
of Christianity. It's very easy for us to put our guard up, and whenever anyone makes an accusation against the church, they make an accusation against Christianity or spirituality, we want to defend ourselves right away. But let's actually be honest for a second. That kind of is a problem that we have. We kind of are prone to present this great picture of ourselves. We're prone to go to church and try to present ourselves as these wonderful, put-together people. We want to sometimes put that display out there. We want people to look at us and think we've got it all figured out. And we don't want to claim that we're hypocrites, but there are times where what you feel like you get in church from people is a little fake, is not getting to the real them. It's not getting to the real issues that they're going through. And that leads to there are really only two answers to the problem of hypocrisy in the church. The first one, it'd be great if we could do this, is living up to our own standard. The things that we're teaching and telling people about how great we are and about how we have our lives figured out, we could just do all the things that we're saying. We could live perfectly in line with all the things that we preach. And that would be amazing. But as you know, we can't actually do that. We continually fall short. And so the second answer is simple. We could stop saying we're better than we really are. One of the things we need to embrace in church ministry is that church ministry is where broken people take steps towards wholeness. It's not where whole people come together and celebrate how great they are. All of our teachings should be driving at some problem that we're looking to fix. And really, Pull aside from teaching for a second. Church ministry, ministry in general, is about taking people in messed up and broken situations and helping them arrive one step closer to wholeness, one step closer towards the kind of life that God would have for them. Now, as we're talking about the role that teaching has in encouraging discipleship, one of the things we need to admit from the beginning our teaching is limited in fighting this, especially if we're talking about people are prone to put up their defenses. People are prone to present the good Christian version of themselves. Our teachings are a very safe way for people to receive information. Think about what normally happens in your standard Sunday church service. One person goes up to a microphone talks for a while, and very few other people say anything. Very few people are challenged directly. Like It makes sense. It'd be weird if your lead pastor went up onto the stage on a Sunday morning, started talking about greed, and then called on you in the audience and said, why don't you come up and tell us a story about how you were greedy once? Like That wouldn't be a good thing for us to do, but people wind up in teachings just kind of slipping in and slipping out. They show up, they hear the message, they listen to what's going on, but they never get personally challenged. And, and look, that's not an indictment on Bible teaching. Bible teaching is amazing. There are so many good reasons why we should center ourselves around teaching. We also need to recognize its limitations. All good things have limits. That's fine. That's how life works. But if we don't recognize those limits, we're not going to fight them adequately. I think this is something I've mentioned on the podcast before, but I'm not sure. If it is, oh well, I'm going to say it again. One of the things that I remember learning from a mentor of mine 
was the 70-20-10 model. So 10% of what he believed people learn about Christianity, about spirituality, and and 10% of what shapes them is Bible teaching. It's a very small percentage. We are not the most formative thing in the lives of our people. At most, he says, we get about 10%. And this is just a theory, but we know that Bible teachings are not the only thing that shape a person. 20% of what shapes people is more personal conversations. I know one of the reasons I love podcasting is because I'm going to it on my own time. It's not just part of a rhythm that I have. It's something that I'm actively seeking out. It feels like one of those personal conversations. I hope that this can be, for Bible teachers, part of that 20%. But the personal conversations you have with pastors and leaders and teachers, those things go a lot further with you. But then 70% of what people learn is just from real-life behavior, just the things that they learned from their parents, the things that their rhythms of life are teaching them. All of these different things contribute to people just kind of staying where they are. Sometimes it feels like the people you're teaching, they're not moving in any direction. It's because the thing that's teaching them most is encouraging them to stay in the behavior that they have right now. So with that knowledge, we need to push beyond what our 10% of influence is. We need to try to get into more of those personal conversations, and we need to try to walk with people through the behaviors that they have. One of the beautiful things about discipleship is it gets you out of the church context sometimes and gets you into a person's real life. Now, as we talk about discipleship, I realize that is just a big Christian word to a lot of people. It sounds like this incredible thing. People get kind of scared about it, and they get kind of mystical in the way that they think of it. Like, I remember thinking of discipleship relationships and having students in my youth group that I would pull aside and be like, hey, I want you to know I would like to start discipling you. And are you ready to be a disciple? And it sounded like this huge commitment. And then suddenly I'd just be hanging out with them and they'd look over at me and be like, are, are, are we doing discipleship right now? Or like, are we just hanging out and talking about Netflix? And like, it was hard to tell kind of the difference. And when they would ask that question, I would get scared. And I'd be like, uh, no, this is discipleship. Like you are learning right now. And I wanted to kind of keep this thing going where discipleship was this big, important thing and was happening all the time. And, and look, discipleship is great and it should happen. But one of the things we need to remember is that spirituality often isn't as mystical as we think it is. You know, God made a natural world. Like all the stuff he made feels natural to us, but this is the world that he made. And he hates the way that sin has affected the world, but generally, this is still the world he made. It's not like Adam had three legs and then he sinned and God cut one off. Like it's not like everything changed about the way that things could function. It's that sin has worked its way into the things that do function. You know, sin has messed things up, but this world is still reflective in some degree of what God wants from people and from how things should work. So to keep us on one page, when we're talking about a disciple, all I'm referencing is a student of something who's looking to be shaped by that thing. That's all I mean by disciple, a student of something 
who's looking to be shaped by that thing. You know, I can be a student in my history class, but I'm not looking for history to become the defining characteristic of my life. That that you can be students of all sorts of different things. The the key mark of a disciple in my mind is that you're looking to be shaped by that thing. So then discipleship is anything that helps make that happen. Discipleship is anything that helps make that happen. I know that in the youth ministry that I've been able to lead, one of the things that I would start doing with some of the adult volunteers in the ministry, I would encourage them towards discipleship. And it was easy to get scared because that's the big Christian word that we can't really define. And I would stop using the phrase discipleship and start saying, just go hang out with the students. And that was it. I've found just by hanging out with people, by going beyond um, the formal teaching position that I had, I was better able to walk with students through life. And I would end up encouraging them in ways I didn't even realize I was doing. I would end up pushing them towards being shaped by belief in Jesus in ways that I didn't even fully recognize was happening. You know, discipleship happens when we just get around one another. And our teachings should not come across to people as the be all end all. They should be part of what it takes for a person to live like Jesus, to be shaped by Jesus. So a couple things need to happen. One, we need to model this journey for other people. We need to walk in this kind of lifestyle. It's easy to want to appear like a finished product. Well, as Bible teachers, we're not meant to be finished products. We're meant to be in-process models on display. That's kind of what we get to be. We don't show up and say, well, we've got it all figured out. How come you don't have it figured out? That's not our goal. We should just be modeling this journey for our people. And in discipleship, when we are being mentored by someone, when we have those intentional friendships that are pushing us towards following Jesus more and more, one of the great things that they do is they keep you humble. You know, it's hard to have this relationship with someone where you're admitting and confessing your faults and flaws to them and you leave super proud of yourself. You know, we need to live this for the the humility that will come into our lives. We need to live this so that we can understand what we're asking of our people. And we need to live this because we can't encourage something that we're not doing. That will ring hollow. You will be amazed at how your applications and how your ability to relate with your people will skyrocket when you're making sure you're in a relationship where you're learning from somebody else, where you're giving your, yourself the opportunity to be the one that receives and not just the one that gives. I feel like that's a big theme that we've been hitting on throughout this season. You need to model this journey for your people. But secondly, you need to be part of it for those that you're going to teach regularly. Now, if you're going to go teach at a different church for one weekend, you're not really going to be able to disciple those people. But when you are discipling the people that you're teaching week in and week out, three incredible things happen. The first is you remind your people that you're all in on them. You are with them 100% of the way. Sometimes when we go up on stage as Bible teachers, we come across like the principal who's getting ready to scold the school. 
we're the ones that know how they should have behaved, and we're here to remind them that they did not behave that way. Sometimes we come across just by the position we hold like the rule keepers. And when we break outside of that formal position, we're showing them, look, I'm not doing this for the paycheck. I'm not doing this for the position that I get to have. I'm not doing this because I really like having that role. I'm doing this because I am all in on your growth. When you are discipling people and hanging out with them outside of your teaching time, you will make your teaching time more effective because they'll know that's a person who's got my back. You'll also find that when you're discipling people, it will remind you exactly where they are. When you're just hanging out with people, when you're, you know, you're teaching and you're leading, but you're also meeting with people and encouraging them outside of your teaching times, you're just hanging around them and trying to pass on Jesus in those times. When you're doing that, that will remind you where your people actually are. You'll hear about the struggles they have. You'll hear about the problems they're going through. You'll hear about the issues that they can't seem to shake. You're going to learn a bunch of different things you would not be able to learn another way. And because of that, it will make your teaching time more effective. And last, remember, discipling is the most effective teaching there is. Discipleship is not separate from teaching. The two go together. One of the things that Bible teachers need to learn to separate in their mind is the idea that teaching on a stage is entirely different than teaching anywhere else. When you're leading a small group, you're teaching. When you're having lunch with someone, you can be teaching them in that time. When you invite somebody over and just let them watch the way that you interact with your family, you're teaching them. You're guiding them and leading them. Teaching is the objective. Preaching is one of the tasks we use to get to that objective. One-on-one hangouts are one of the tasks we use to get to that objective. But don't forget, teaching is merely the objective. There are all sorts of different ways to do it. If we just become people that stay safely behind the podium, we will miss out on a lot of the teaching that there is to do. And remember, it's not just on us. This is where we get into how do you bring some of this into your teachings, well, I'd encourage you, make some of your application community-based. It's one thing if you tell people, you need to do this. At times, you're going to need to do that. The Bible makes that clear. There are just times where the Bible tells you, hey, stop being greedy. And the right answer is to stop being greedy. And that's that. But it's one thing to do that just on an individual level. It's another thing to do that on a community level. And to say, we as a church want to fight greed. We as a church want to be honest about lust. We as a church want to be honest about all of these different things. We want to lay that out there in a community way, a community basis. We want to be able to tell people it's not just you doing this, it's us doing this. Another way that we do that is we constantly push mentorship. We shouldn't make people think that if they just listen to our teachings, they're going to be fine. We should push beyond that. You know, some would encourage the Paul Timothy Barnabas model that you should be able to identify who those three people are in your life. Your Paul is the person who is above you and who is wiser than you and older than you and more experienced in the ways of God than you that you are learning from. Your Timothy 
is the person you are teaching. You're directly mentoring them. You are encouraging them to grow in the ways of the Lord. And your Barnabas is the person who's right alongside you. You're, you're equals. You're not that in other relationships, you're not equal, but you're on the same level. You're in the same standing and same spot, I guess, uh, in your life and in your walk with Jesus. And they're encouraging you from that friendship role. You should be able to identify those different things. If you're pushing people to find those things, you're decentralizing the way that church teaching works. And that's a good thing because people learn in all sorts of different ways. And last, just admit the limited nature of your own teaching. Admit that them showing up with their defenses up and their walls built and their surface whatever going on. If that's all that's happening, you need to tell your people, look, this isn't enough. We need more than this. We need to go deeper than that. So much of this is just encouraging people to strive for that deeper level. God has more he wants to show people in community than he can ever show them just through your preaching. Your preaching is super important, but he wants to also teach them in community. He wants to also teach them in small groups. And as the teacher, you need to push people in that direction. Don't make them think you are the be-all and end-all. You are one of the people God wants to use to teach them. But if they start living in a greater, uh, with a greater emphasis on community, if they start living with a greater emphasis on learning from one another, you may be doing a smaller percentage of the teaching but there will also be a greater volume of learning. We teach so that people can learn, and we should push people towards all the things that can help them learn. And nothing helps people learn to live like Jesus quite as much as discipleship. Thank you for listening to another episode of the First Time Bible Teacher Podcast brought to you by the Good Lion Podcast Network. If you don't follow us on Instagram, you can follow at goodlion.io. There you'll see all of the latest episodes coming out of the shows across the Good Lion Podcast Network. If you're looking for the website, it's that same line, goodlion.io. If you like what you're hearing from First Time Bible Teacher, please tell your friends. We're available on tons of different podcast services. We're on Anchor. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on all sorts of different networks. You can find all of the places we're available from our Anchor page, Anchor FM, or you can go to goodlion.o and find this show, and it'll link you to all the different places uh, that were available. You can follow us on Instagram at First Time Bible Teacher for episode art, for video clips, and for different updates on where this podcast is headed. Thank you for listening. God bless you in your teaching. We'll see you next time.